And so I think there's this misconception of like what gifting is. It's like, nobody cares about gifts, but everybody cares about relationships. And it's really how you're showing up for people and showing them that they matter. Like everybody wants to be appreciated and known. Even billionaires want their life and their legacy to have mattered and for them to have meant something more than a dollar sign. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. John Rulin, welcome finally to the Better Wealth podcast. Caleb, man, thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. I couldn't even wait to share this with you. So this is going to be the second time I'm, I'm sharing the story within like five minutes. But your, your book, your philosophy, totally had a radical impact on my life. So those of you that know my story know that I got into the financial service space at a very young age, 21 years old, started my practice. I'm a nobody. I'm living at home. My office lease was on the basement of a Papa John's building. You had to walk down the stairs to get to $300 a month. And I'm trying to figure out how to grow this business. I know I have this message that needs to be shared, but I'm like, how, what do I do? And I, and someone gave me your book and I read it and I'm, I was terrified when I read it because I'm like, man, I think he's right. But I'm, I'm kind of like everything that I've learned about marketing has been like, put your logo on something and like the give and take kind of deal. And, and you encourage me to be like the real, and I'm, I'm going to give a spoiler alert here, but it's like, get the giftology method method is like, don't think about yourself, like through gratitude, put other people and like embed yourself. And I'm, I want you to break that down. But like, oh. I took that to heart and have been a follower of your philosophy. And I have a couple stories of people that, um, I just thought like, what would be the most significant gift that would bless them? And as a result, it's been amazing to see see that. And so with that, thank you so much. You've been someone that I've really wanted to have on the show, mainly because I think about money differently. I very much think we need to reverse engineer from result and outcome. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, John, are investing in things that literally will not get them closer to where they want to go. No. And there's a lot of business owners that listen to, to my show. And yeah. like they're investing in, quote unquote, marketing and things that are not helping them get the result that they want. And I sincerely mean this. I think if people understand what you wrote about in the book and what you do for a living, that it's like the ninja secret to how to better position yourself and selfishly grow your practice. So how's that for an intro? I'll take it all day long, man. It's uh, thank you for the genuineness and the, just the heartfelt. And like I shared, you know, it's, it's one thing to write the book. It's one thing to have a gifting agency that does it for companies and leaders. But to see people that are inspired without me even interacting with them, go take you know, what was a lot of blood, sweat and tears over decades in and actually go do it and do it at a high level and then see, and reap the rewards and the results and the deeper relationships that everybody's longing for. My wife sometimes like, are you doing another interview? Like how many people still haven't heard this message? Like you get paid to speak on these big stages, to teach people to, to be kind and thoughtful. Like that's the most, like that's the radical thoughts, but it's so funny to see people that really are like come up in tears or come up and say, Hey, like I, you saved my business. Like my business was going to crash. Like I was out and I did what you taught and it saved the company. And so I've just humbled at a really deep level that we're able to have the impact. And thanks for, for doing what you're doing. But John, I love the power of story. And I think the way that you got into this and just the epiphany that you had is, is worth the story in, in background. But I also think it sets up your message so powerfully. So go back. How did you get started in this? I know that you weren't born with this brilliant idea, but you learned it no. through just experience. So why don't you break that down? 
a lot of times people hear the, the title or the level of clients that we work with. So we have a lot of startups and small companies, but we also have like the Chicago Cubs as clients. And people are like, oh, John got born in LA or New York in the right home. His dad maybe was a commissioner or a VP of sales at a big company. But I grew up in Ohio, you know, Midwest farm kid on 47 acres, really lower middle income. I was a kid like collecting free lunch at school because we were like on a one income, you know, I was milking goats every morning. I was one of six kids. Like I grew up wanting the Jordans, but I was like getting the hand-me-downs from the garage sale and nothing wrong with that. Like it, but it made me hungry to want more because the town was 400 people. I was like, I want to get out of Dodge. So I was going to go make my mom proud. She was into health and wellness before it was cool to be a, you know, granola, you know, shopping that whole foods kind of person. And which is really rare for her, like in that time period, but I was going to go be a DO or a chiropractor. I was going to be a doctor. And my life changed because I went and got uh, a job. I had an internship really with Cutco, the knife company. I had a desperation to pay for med school. I didn't know about the knives. I'd know, I, but I found out when they, how much they were, they're like $10,000. I almost didn't do it. But my buddy who was a seminary student, who was the worst salesperson on the planet, was succeeding selling these knives. So I was like, if Steve Wiggers, who's going to go be a missionary, he's like six foot eight, like bashful, like if he can do it, I can do it, or at least try. And so my fourth appointment changed my life forever. I went and pitched my girlfriend's dad, who was this rainmaking attorney, these knives. And the reason I pitched him was Paul was the guy that was like a referral machine. Like he was this guy that attracted all this amazing deal flow. And he was also super generous. So when you're poor, you grow up poor, you see people generous, you, that stands out immediately. And he would find deals on noodles and stupid stuff. And he'd buy a semi load. Like most people would be like, oh, I'll buy a case. No, Paul buys the whole truck. And so like two, 300 people are walking away with like 20 cases, like a year supply of noodles. I'm like, Paul, like I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, that's like a minimum of 40 grand. I'm like, are you crazy? But that's just who he was. It wasn't a tactic for him. He just showed up for people that way. And because of it, he was the most like trusted top of mind person in the entire community. So I pitch him knives thinking maybe he'll have mercy on me and order, you know, Cutco makes these $100, $200 pocket knives. You know, they're handmade in New York, like expensive knives. So I asked him, Paul, what do you think? And he got the smile on his face. He was 60 at the time. I'm 20 at the time. So this is 20 years ago. And he's like, John, I don't want to order pocket knives. Got to order pairing knives. And I'm like, you want to give a bunch of grown men CEOs of million, 10 million, $100 million, billion dollar companies, like a kitchen tool? I'm like, why? And he said, John, the reason I have more referrals, the reason I have more deal flow, the reason I have more access, the reason I'm the most top of mind person is that I figured out something simple in business. And that's if you take care of the family, everything else seems to take care of itself in business. So for me as a 20 year old, like this was like a mind blowing, like, oh my gosh, it wasn't about the stupid knives. Oh, to this day, people like New York Times are like, what's the hot, sexy gift, John, at your agency? And I laugh. I'm like the stupid knives. And they're like, come on, like, no way. Like, that's what you did 20 years ago in college. I'm like, you want to know how we got the Chicago Cubs? The stupid knives. You want to know how we got Dara Horton, the largest builder in the, in the country? Stupid knives. You want to know what they're giving out to their relationships? Oftentimes, the stupid knives. At a core level, all human beings, whether you make 20 grand or 2 million or 200 million, what do we do when we get together? We, we invite our inner, inner circle over to our house, to the kitchen, and we break bread and we have food and wine. That's central to, and even in 2021, it's even more so like COVID stuff. People are cooking at home more. They miss that intimacy. And so the knives become this tool, this artifact that becomes woven into the fabric of their family. And so it sounds weird. People are like, really, the knives? But, um, but for Paul, Paul got it immediately. And so he ordered 100 of these pairing knives. You know, they're like $100, $200 a piece pairing knives, not cheap. So I started to mimic what Paul was doing because I was like, I want to be him when I'm 60. 
And so I'm like, I got 40 years to get there. By the time I was a senior in college, I had put med school on hold and started this gifting agency and started working with, you know, solopreneurs all the way up to billion dollar companies, teaching them and showing them and doing for them, like out, they would outsource it to us, how to love on their employees, clients, partners, investors, mentors. We started to get in, and introduced into pro sports teams, whatever else, but Cutco has worked with about 2 million sales reps. In 70 years, we became their number one in the history of the company, this country bumpkin farm kid, by talking about and teaching and using giftology is what we now call it. There's so many areas that I want to go, but I just want to highlight, especially if you are in business and you're working with like companies that you get products from or other things, we've all got the popcorn or the chocolate, or this is my favorite one, okay? This billion dollar company sends me this $5 umbrella with their logo on it. I'm not going to swear here, but I'm like, okay, you're better off just not saying anything. And by the way, it, it's included with a, with a general typed note. that's probably yeah. sent out to everybody. And so it's yeah. like, it's interesting. It's like, why don't these companies get it? Like, do they actually think that helps them? Does that, do they actually think that creates more loyalty? I think they do at some level. I also think, you know, it's like nobody gets fired for hiring McKinsey you know, the big consulting firm. Why? Because that's like, nobody gets fired for going and sponsoring a trade show. Nobody gets fired for doing Facebook ads. Like none of those things are necessarily wrong. Like McKinsey's a great firm, but people tend to play it safe. In business, you know, like most people, it's like, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look silly. What is everybody else doing in my industry? Oh, they're doing that. So I'll do that too. So what does everybody do? Everybody has a mastermind. Do they differentiate it? Some do and make it really special, but most people are sheep and they do it exactly the same as everybody else. And gifting is that same way. They look around and see everybody else with this branded stuff. They're like, well, we got to have stuff at a trade show. We, we got to send our clients something at Christmas. Why? Because everybody, that's tradition. Everybody does it. And so I think that nobody ever is honest with how they actually feel when they receive something like that. Nobody says, I'm actually less likely to do business with you when you sent me that bottle of wine and I don't even drink. Or you sent me that bottle of wine and it's $50 and my daily drinker is $150. Right. Or that umbrella, like, you know, you want to be green? Stop giving me crap that ends up in the landfill in five months yeah. or ends up at goodwill or ends up in, yeah. you know, falling apart. Nobody writes that in a letter. Like, I thought less of you as a human when I received this. What do they do? They say thank you or they don't say anything at all. And so I think there's this misconception of like what gifting is. It's like nobody cares about gifts. Yeah. But everybody cares about relationships and it's really how you're showing up for people and showing them that they matter. Like everybody wants to be appreciated and known. Even billionaires want their life and their legacy to have mattered and for them to have meant something more than a dollar sign to their relationships, yeah. their employees, their clients, whatever else. So it's weird on a lot of different levels, but I think you know the bottom line is everybody does it because everybody does it. I want to highlight you and a, a good friend of both of ours, Pete Vargas. Um, number one, Pete has helped me understand the power of relationships. And I've been starting to do dinner parties with the sole focus of building relationship and like hearing people's stories and the power of vulnerability. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, I remember going to a, a workshop by a guy named Roland Frazier. Ring a bell at all? Yeah. I'm just thinking like, man, this guy is one of, super connected. Like he's got one of the largest digital marketing conferences. He's like getting equity deals because he's helping people buy and sell companies. Like very powerful person. I'm grateful to have met him. And I remember like scrolling through my Facebook, seeing him unwrapped a gift and you and Pete, I believe got yeah. him this like crazy, nice Cutco knife set. And you engraved on each knife, 
a quote. And I'm like, John, that is the most ninja thing. You, you've literally, that will be passed down to three or four generations easily. Yeah. Yeah, Roland could buy his own knives. That's what people don't understand. It's not about the, you know, that knife set was five or six grand all in. People like five or six grand. I'm like, you'll spend five or six grand on drinks over the course of a week in Vegas, buying people dinners and whatever else. People may or may not remember that a week from now. Yep. You'll spend 50,000 on marketing this or 150,000 on hiring an employee that may or may not work out. One employee. But you won't invest in a relationship like Roland, who's a baller at the, across all of these industries. And Pete and I split it, you know, so three grand each. But it wasn't about the knives. Like Roland could buy a hundred of those knife sets. The the item, the knife set, it's world class. It's handmade, blah blah blah. But it's a delivery vehicle for the emotion. The emotion came because every knife on both sides. So was, there was eighty quotes of wisdom that Roland had spoken out. And you know, like when you take somebody's legacy and their wisdom and what they've put out into the world and put it onto a piece that his kids and grandkids are going to see. You could do that same, I, I could send that same thing to whether it's a hundred people or a thousand people or 50 people. And every person would receive it the same way that Roland did. Like he FaceTimed and talked about it. And now he's ordering knife sets to send out to people at that level. Cause he's like, China wasn't about the knives. I already had these Japanese shun, blah, blah, blah. That cost me thousands of dollars. Guess what? They're not even being used anymore. Why? Because the one that was made personally for him and his family tied to his legacy becomes the conversation starter. Now people are coming over to his house and he's showing them the knife set and the knives are being talked about. And so everybody wants referrals without asking, well, you have to put something, you have to put a stake in the ground. There needs to be a trigger, an artifact, something that reminds the people around the people to talk about you yep. and tell the story. Like it's always about the story. It's not about the thing. It's not about spending more money than your competitors. People, I could have sent them a nicer, more expensive you know, whether a bottle of wine or a Louis Vuitton bag or whatever, like people will spend more money. It's not more money. It's more thoughtful. It's more creative. It's more strategic. That's how you win and compete with people that are a hundred times bigger than you. I mean, kind of in two camps because we, we, our main business helps consumers take back control of their wealth. But I also ironically coach quite a few financial advisors on how to be more successful and scale their business. And I learned about this practice. A lot of people are buying $200 leads and having a 10% close rate on those. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm missing something, John, here, but I'm like, I think I could spend $200 a more effective way. And so the reality is people are spending their money on marketing because I think majority of people would say marketing is important because if you don't have marketing and you don't have new clients coming in, it's a problem. So we're not arguing about spending money to make money. It's how you do that. And I've heard you multiple times say you're a math guy, which kind of, you could challenge because you're like, oh, really? Because you, you drop $5,000 on a knife set. Like, how is that a good idea? So talk, talk to us through the, the philosophy. If you were to coach me or if you were to sit down with a business, how would yeah. you walk them through the, the blueprint? I know that you have a special gift that you're going to give all of our audience that wants to get this, that walks them through this. But I just yeah. want to hear from you, like 101, not something I have to memorize. How do I actually understand this? So it's like just like the back of my hand. It's actually a lot like financial services. Like you invest money, percentage of whatever you're taking in, you should pay yourself first. That's 10% or 20% or whatever else. Like you invest it and you put it somewhere. And over time, whether that's over five years, 10 years, 50 years, like you're wanting that stock or that mutual fund or that Bitcoin or whatever to appreciate, to like grow in value. You view it as, and in business, it's the same way. I'm going to invest in this employee 
But because I hired these employees, I'm now going to be able to service more clients and I'm going to be able to grow my revenue. Like we're all like looking for investments. Most people view a lot of gifting as an expense, as a, I have to do this. And what's interesting is when you go into it with that mindset, you end up putting that level of value on it. It's like, oh, I have to do this. So I'll send peanut brittle Christmas or whatever, or I'll send my logoed crap or my gift cards or my referral gifts. What people don't understand is that marketing, the best marketing comes from your relationships that you already have. And so if I'm coaching somebody that you know is a financial advisor or an author or a CEO, I'm like, hey, we need to do a 360 review of all of your warm current relationships, your employees, your clients, your investors, your mentors, your banker, you know, centers of influence, whatever media. And what right now, let's say you made a hundred grand this year in profit. You should be taking a percentage of that and investing it back into your business. Well, what's that? Well, you're investing into the relationship. So our rule of thumb is five to 15% of net profits should be reinvested back into your relationships that are most important. So many people want to go after prospects Prospects are cold. It's like if you took a fire that's there's no fire, it's just wood, and you pour gasoline on it, what happens? You just have wet wood. But if you take a fire that's small and burning and you pour gasoline on it, what happens? It's it becomes this like inferno. And so most people want to go after the whales they don't have versus loving on the relationships they currently have. And if you do this right, you take that five to 15%. People are like, man, John, that's a lot of money. That's five to 15 grand. If I made a hundred grand last year as a small business owner. I'm like, you get to keep 85 grand. You're basically investing in people taking, they're buying their own gifts. Like they're like, you're taking a percentage of net. I don't care what your revenue is. People talk, oh, I did a hundred million dollars in revenue. I'm like, what did you profit? They're like 500 grand. I'm like, great. That's the number we're going to use. Don't give me the fluff. Give me the, because this has to be bootstrapped. This has to be cash flow. This has to be. So you take that five to 15 grand, reinvest it into you know, your top, let's say 50 relationships. Now next year, if you do the right thing with those relationships and you have a good business, like you can't have a sucky service or a sucky product or a sucky whatever, and then give great gifts and think they're magically, like you have to still run the other parts of your business. This is the cherry on top to Sunday. And this is like why Roland will go out of his way to open up doors on stages and, and advocate. If I wanted to hire Roland, who I you know, did the nice set for as a sales rep, I could, if I paid him $2 million, he'd say no. But because I loved on him and inspired him, he'll go advocate for me and he'll be a better sales rep than somebody I paid millions of dollars to because he, he wanted to, he chose to. There's a, a connection and a relationship there. And so that's why like when people are like, oh, John, that doesn't make sense. I already have good retention. I'm like, this isn't a retention ploy. Like most people, their financial advisors have above a 90%. But what I challenge anybody on the planet in any industry is, do you have more referrals than you can handle? My guess is you don't. And the only way that you get that is either you go buy them, which you pay a lot of money to Google or Facebook or whatever else, $200 a lead, and you close one out of 10. That's two grand you invested to get that one relationship. Whereas if you would go love on the people you, that already like you yeah. and show up for them repeatedly with that five to 15 grand, now all of a sudden you have people that, that you know, they start, they stay, then they grow, and then they start to go tell their friends and family. Not just in a passive way, they're going actively. They're not saying, they're not waiting for somebody to ask them about you. They're going out and saying, I like, you got to talk to this guy. And that's where people are like, John, how did you land like Google as a stage? And how'd you land an $85,000 speaking gig? I'm like, I didn't sell it. My clients, my friends, the people that love me 
went out and became my sales rep and opened the door and, and opened doors I really didn't deserve to be in. Roland's done it. Pete's done it. I mean, Pete talked, you know, we talked about it. I don't pay him to talk about me. And he talks about me on almost every keynote on the biggest it, stages of the world. Yeah, it's obnoxious, actually. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, People man, text like, me, like, what did you pay him to do this? I'm like, zero. Yeah. So that's the marketing that works. You want, you know, like, gift marketing is not the cheesy swag crap. It's not peanut brittle Christmas. It's loving on your relationship in such a way that they can't help. God's wired us, whether you believe in a God or not. We want, like, uh, we're tribal. And when, when somebody does something nice for us over and over again, we want to reciprocate. Most people give and then they ask. I mean, even Vaynerchuk, he's not, you know, I don't know, I don't know that he's a person of faith. He's a person who loves kindness and empathy and like the faith values. But what was his book called? Jab, 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 right hook. He understood and understands that you give, give, give. You don't play this, this six-month game. Like the long game is not days, it's decades. And most people are playing this like, oh, I sent this gift, I better get this. That's not a gift, that's a manipulation. Yep. You're, it's a bait and switch. And the other person, by the way, if they're affluent, they can read through the lines. So I tell people all the time, if they're going to hire our firm, if, unless they commit to doing it for three years, don't hire us. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't take my money? I'm like, no, because you're going to do this for six months. You're going to ruin it and you're going to damage your relationships versus playing the long game and getting the 10X and the 100X and the 1,000X return on relationship. I don't care what your ROI is. What's return on relationship? That's always way bigger than anything you're going to get from a Facebook ad or some marketing tactic yep. because you're investing in human beings. Yep. A couple of things. So we, we do a book club each month and three months ago, we did the go-giver. Last month, we did Give and Take by Adam Grant. And this month we're doing the Thank You Economy by Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> Where, do you see a theme? I think I think your book is next. By the way, I want to embed thoughtfulness and gratitude and the give. Like I want givers on the team, not only for ourselves, but so that we can like have a culture and serve people like crazy. I know that you do some pretty radical things for your team, and your your big challenge, which was convicting to me, is like the people that you need to give first to are the people that you're in the trenches with. Yeah. And again, it's, man, there's, there's so many things I want to say, but what are you, what are your two cents on that as it relates to giving to the people that are really moving the needle, which is your team. And then I also want to just say that I believe Chet Holmes is one of the most brilliant, you know, marketing minds out there. And he made this thing called, you know, the dream 100. And, and I think it's a form of what you're doing, but he's really focused on like, how do you create a campaign and, and, you know, win deals and I believe what you're saying is a little bit a little bit different. You're saying instead of going out, go within, and you have better leverage if Johnny, who's a raving fan, talks about you versus you saying, I'm amazing. Yeah, if you can get the person internally that's a client or a center of influence or a mentor or advisor or whatever, even your bankers. Like I, I send gifts, you know, we buy millions of dollars of Cutco. I send gifts to Cutco that are nicer than most people give their best clients that are billion dollar clients. And people are like, why did you do that? As I learned early on from another mentor, they, they were the largest buyer of Rolexes in the country. And when Rolex came to town, they bought the dinners. And I'm like, you're spending tens of millions of dollars of Rolex. Why would you do that? And like, we don't have a business without Rolex. We value our partners. We value our suppliers. Most people treat their suppliers like crap and expect things from them. I would rather show up for my suppliers. So when I need a favor, I need them to go the extra mile. And guess what? We have a real relationship built on trust and and, you know, and appreciation and gratitude, not just talking. Everybody says, oh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Those are the most empty words on the planet. 
Your time is your most valuable asset. Like if you don't show up for people and at least handwrite a note after somebody gives you their time, like it's embarrassing. And so everybody says, oh, I appreciate your time. Like, okay, show me with your time and with your talent and with your leverage. And so when I, early on, when I was, you know, in my twenties, I would send like three to $500 Cutco knife sets after a meeting with somebody for five minutes. And these guys are worth millions or billions. And when I sent that, like people responded, like these guys would reach out and be like, John, this is the night. Like I spent five minutes with you. I'm like, your five minutes was probably worth 10 grand. So I'm still in debt to you. But I wanted to like, I don't want to just say thank you for your time. I want to show with real gratitude and real investment. Guess what? Next time I, I phone them, even if it was three years later, guess what? I got the phone call back immediately because there is a understanding because it showed up differently. So as far as employees go, I think most people treat their clients or their partners or their prospects at like the Ritz-Carlton level. And then their employees, they treat them like the Motel 6. You want your employees to deliver Ritz-Carlton level service. If they've never stayed at the Ritz-Carlton, guess what? They don't know what that looks and feels like. So I'm a big believer in you'll create bitterness if you go love on your external relationships at a certain level. And then internally, like you're like Ebenezer Scrooge, where you're like, oh, we can't do that. I'm like, most people will hire their employees. And let's just say they're an entry-level person making 35 grand. Well, when they get hired, the salary range was 35 to 45 almost every single time. That's a $10,000 delta that you don't even think twice about when you're hiring somebody. That's overhead for every year for the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, 10 grand. So what we said is we're going to take part of that 10 grand and we're going to reinvest it back into our employees. And so one of the things we realized that a lot of them are working remotely, they have been for 12 years for us. They're you know, college educated, stay at home moms, they have kids, husbands, whatever else. They don't have time. What can we do that they'd never do for themselves to give their time back? With their, for their hobbies, for their kids, for their exercise, whatever. And so we started to pay to have their houses cleaned every other week. Here, employee, you can take the cash or you can take this perk. Well, every employee, especially moms, they always put everybody else first or just in general. So they take the cash and apply it to bills and whatever else. But if you say like, I really want to show up for my employees in a way that they'd never show up for themselves and make their life better, not just at, not in the business, but at home, their marriage, like we'll pay somebody's having a rough time, like we'll pay for marriage retreats, you know, we'll pay for like, you want to have like an employee that's not focused, that's a drain on your culture, put them through a divorce. Like even selfishly, like the people are like 25, how much does it cost to pay an employee's house cleaning every year? I'm like 2,500 bucks. Like how do you, even Google was like, how do you afford that? I'm like, nobody brags about their 401k anymore. That's table stakes. Nobody brags about their health insurance. Nobody brags about the polo shirt that you gave them as a gift with a logo on it or their uniform or the, I'm like, when you can show up for people in a way that is unique and different and makes their life better. Now, all of a sudden they're able to go out when you're loving on clients, they get excited about saying, how can we, so my team is always looking for crazy things to send to each other, to send to clients. Like they're, they're part of the culture and we're not perfect. Like there's sometimes where people have bad days and employees are angry with each other or me or whatever else. Like we're human beings, we're broken. Yeah. But when you can show up for your internal client, not with some stupid tchotchke or token yeah. or, hey, you've been here five years. Here's your catalog of crap to pick from. Yeah. It's embarrassing. They worked for 10,000 hours. That's five years times 2,000 hours a year. And most of the gifts are under $100 and they're like with a logo on it. And they come from China. It's like a pen and pencil set. Are you serious? I send nicer gifts to my interns that aren't even employees yet. Yep. I'll, I'll send them $500 headphones saying, hey, 
when you're studying for finals, we want to help you block out the noise, go crush it. People are like, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, what do you spend in recruiting costs? Right. I would much rather invest in people when they're not expecting it versus like waiting for somebody to work for some magical time period of 10 years or 20 years to get the gold watch. Like find a way to give them the gold watch in year three, just because don't wait. Like that doesn't work anymore. Let's talk about the do nots because again, (laughs) I am like very grateful that I, I got this early on. Have you, have you read of the book dream weaving? I'm going to share this concept because I, I grew up in the banking world. So at like, 18, 19 years old, I'm like doing marketing for our community bank. And what's interesting is because you're a community bank in a small town, every nonprofit's hitting you up for money. And what they would do, and I, I think it's pretty brilliant, although I'm not a huge fan of the radio, advertising on the radio, is they would say, we're not going to give you money, but what we're going to do is we, we've made a deal with these radio stations. We're going to do an ad for you, push your event, help you raise money, and it not, not to be about us because it's like what are we going to say our our money's greener or like our interest rate we become a commodity and so i was maybe primed for thinking like this and then when reading your book it was like okay the two don'ts like don't put your logo on things like oh john how will people know it's from you and then the second thing is don't send gifts on your birthday and christmas i love that concept because they're leveraging an they're taking an asset that most people would never get access to like the nonprofits. And they're making it easy to make them look good. And in doing so, like they look good. I, what people don't understand is like, if I give you a Rolex, do I have to put my logo on it for you to remember where it came from? No, you're going to get the Rolex. And I have a, a client who sends Rolexes out like they're candy. He engraves them with Bible verses and thoughtfulness. And he, like these people are now like looking at their wrist every single day. And there's no logo, but they're thinking, man, I love that guy. You know, subconsciously even. Now, you don't have to spend 10 grand in order to do that. Like, if you give a world class thing that's personalized to the person, that's why the knives work. That's why, like, we do these crazy things called artifact mugs. They're like a mug. I'm like, these mugs are a thousand bucks and they do more than a $50,000 watch. Here's why the mug carved into it is somebody's legacy, life story, family, faith, tragedy overcome, original mentors. It, I've, I've seen billionaires. When I speak on stage, I'll sometimes surprise people in the audience with one of these mugs. And it's an instant tearjerker for the entire audience. And the recipient is usually bawling. Why? Because it's all about them. Every time they use that mug, they're reminded of who gave it to them. Even subconsciously, that's how God's wired us. It's like, so if you give a crappy gift, you give a gift card, hey, here's a piece of plastic, go buy your own gift. That's not a gift. That's an obligation. That's like gift guilt. Like, oh, I got to go spend this now. But if you show up for people with something that's really thoughtful, really meaningful. You include like the knives and the mug and different things include their family, become a part of their family. Now, you don't like 20 years from now, they're still telling the story of where they got it, when they got it, how they loved it, who that person is, because there was thoughtfulness and meaning. It's a purple, it's Seth Godin's concept of being a purple cow. Most people give the same stupid wine or the same gift cards or the same polos or the same, and they give it at expected times. Everybody says, even if I ask a toilet paper salesman, hey, are you in the transaction business or relationship business? Everybody's like, oh, we don't sell price. We sell value. We, we're all about relationships. There's a half a million financial advisors out there, literally, that all say we're all about wealth and strategy and not commoditized. And everybody says the same crap. But when you show up for people a certain way, and you don't do it at, at transactional times, like I want to let clients send referral gifts. And they're like, what are you talking about? client gave me a referral. I want to send a referral gift. I'm like, are you in the relationship business? They're like, yep. I'm like, if somebody sends you a referral that closes, they have, say they have a million dollar assets under management, 
For you, that means 10 grand a year for as long as they're a client. Let's say they stay for 10 years, that's 100 grand. And you think, oh, I'm, I'm big daddy. I'm going to send this $500 bottle of wine to the person who sent me the referral. What did you just turn that relationship into? A transactional relationship, a tit for tat. They didn't refer you to get the bottle of wine. Now, if you showed up for people, that's so why we say no, anniversary, no ABC gifting, no anniversaries, no birthdays, no Christmas. If you want to do those, fine, but those are table stakes. It's like if you show up for your wife on Valentine's Day, like nobody gets brownie points for showing up for their wife on Valentine's Day. It's like, it's expected. But if you show up for your wife or your client or your employee on random Tuesdays a few times a year and say, not because of the money you spent, not be, I'm sending this to you because I was thinking of you. Yeah. So when you can do that, at the, that's what really what we bring is you do that at scale. So I can send, and we do this all the time. We'll send 100 or 500 or 1,000 people the same gift. It's engraved differently. It's personalized. The handwritten note's different. But the item itself is the same. But it shows up on a random Tuesday in the middle of June. People are like, I didn't send a deal. It's not my birthday. I didn't send a referral. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And the clients are like, just because. And they're like, it, short, it melts their face off. They, just, they don't even know what to do with it because they're like, Nobody does that. Everybody gives gifts at expected times out of, out of, out of obligations. Christmas. I'm like, I'm a, you know, love Jesus, but I don't send gifts and our clients don't send gifts at Christmas. People are like, what are you talking about? Like you're a gifting company. How do you not send gifts at Christmas? I'm like, do you really want to compete with the 47 other gifts that are on their conference table ready to collapse? No, no. even a, even a amazing gift is still one of 47 things and they're stressed out and they're eating and drinking themselves to death and they're shopping for their own stuff. You want to be the purple cow. We, so we call it planned randomness. Show up two to four times a year for your best relationships. Yeah. And it's at unexpected times. It might be a random Tuesday in the middle of February, and then a random Tuesday in the middle of July, and a random Tuesday in the middle of October. And people that get it are like, oh my gosh, like, am I the only person that got this? Because like, it's not tied to anything other than the person. That's how you can take something thoughtful and scale it. But most people, like, even when they do it, they're like, John, it didn't work. I'm like, did you do Giftology? And they're like, well, I did Giftology-ish. I'm like, go download giftologysystem.com. And that's our whole playbook. Yep. And you'll see in there that one of the parts of the secret ingredients is you better have a handwritten note with a gift. And like, does that matter? Can I just send it from Amazon? And I'm like, do you think relationships and depth and referrals, are those automated? No. You need to show it's from one person to one person. Even how you sign the card will determine whether or not they feel like you sent it to them or you sent it to the masses. And so many people are like, John, Giftology didn't work. I do the swag thing. And I'm like, it's not swag. I did the Giftology didn't work. I'm like, you didn't follow the recipe. You, it's like baking bread. I don't care if you bake it 100,000 times. If you don't put yeast in every time, guess what you don't get? You get matzah, you don't get bread. And, and so the little things are what, you know, if you try to do that at scale, most people, they falter. And, and then they don't get the results and then they're pissed off. Yeah. And that, but then they realize, oh, you're right. I, I, it's, it's hard to do it at scale. Most people aren't having a long-term process. Like I'm not a huge fan of compounding. Another mutual friend of ours, Garrett Gunderson, he's like, compound interest is overrated. But I will say this, compounded control, compounded relationships, anything consistent over a period of time. And if you can be consistent, it's game over. That's what I see. I see giftology not as a gift business, but more as, as like a, a coaching slash gratitude will like help you run your business better. And oh, by the way, we do that by giving thoughtful gifts. Like I said, people are like giftology, who cares? And they'll see me on big stages. Like we spoke at top of the table in some of these places yep. where like 
you know, the top 1% or top one-tenth of a percent are there. And you can tell like people get ready to leave the auditorium. And I, you know, I'm like, we're not going to talk about gifts, but we are going to talk about, you know, are you getting as many referrals as you want? Are you, are you, you know, retaining the employees that you want? Are you growing as fast as you want? You're not. Well, then you're probably not showing up for your relationships the way that is inspiring them to go act on your behalf. So you're right. It's not a gifting company. It's really a relationship building strategy company. And, uh, and when you do that really well, good things happen. I want to pivot a little bit and get your philosophy on money, money 101. What does better wealth, uh, what's your definition of better wealth? And what's interesting is there's a couple, couple things that I've been like trying to articulate to, to my audience. Number one, my version of ROR is return on result. Like Mm. again, reverse engineer, what result do you want? And then, then really wealth is efficiency and how to get that thing quicker. Yep. And then also wealthology.com was taken. I, I, I was the probably the 14th person that read your book. I was like, oh, I'm going to try to get this domain. But valueleveraging.com wasn't. And here, here's my thought on like a book that's not been written yet is Wealth 101. Number one, create value. Definition of value. Like have, be life-giving to a person. Yep. Number two, what's the definition of leverage? Create influence. Create, maximize. Yes. You know, and, and I very much see like you get that, you embody that. And it's like, oh, wealth is not about putting your money in this fund or, or overfunding life insurance or all these things that I'm like, okay, th- these are tactics, which are fine. It really yeah. is create value and create at scale. And so I want to hear how you think about money because people might put you in the gift category, but I think you're a ninja when it comes to creating wealth. And um, I'm not going to ask you to disclose how much you're worth, but I bet your wealth has grown and skyrocketed because of how you think. Yeah. Well, what I would say is that I think of wealth as not just on money terms, because I think a lot of people that have money wealth may not have health wealth or have relationship. They have jacked up family, jacked up health. And so like, to me, one of the best investments from a money perspective is to invest in human beings. Like to me, you know, and and I'm not the first person to say this, but you know, the net, your, your network is your net worth. I think really plays and it really plays during not just good times. It plays even better during the valleys because, you know, economically, like we're always going to have blips and challenges and, you know, like the idea of digging your well before you're thirsty and like, who could you call at 3am if you needed 10 grand because you're for whatever reason. And like, if you don't have a list of people that you've poured into that you'd be like, yeah, I could reach out to that person. Then I think that, you know, life insurance and some of these other vehicles are awesome. Like we use them, but I'm, I'm looking at relationships as like a long-term investment. And I feel like, uh, whether it's with my family and, you know, I'm thinking multi-generationally, I'm thinking about my you know kids and grandkids and whatever else. And like wanting to be able to pass things on and wanting to pass on, not just money, but like thoughtfulness and, and how to think about human beings and how to, you know, not end up with the relationship that's split up and divorced and all of these different things. So to me, like money is, you know, is an awesome vehicle, but like true success is like the people who are closest to me love and respect me the most. And so like, as I'm building out this platform, I'm trying to remain grounded. My wife is constantly reminding me like, John, you really have to go do that or, or whatever else. Cause like, I think sometimes as we're thinking about wealth, it's like, oh, I got to make it as big as possible. And it's like, no, like if we're playing the long game. Yeah. We got to hedge our bets and make, make sure if something, you know, get hit by a bus that we're covered to take care of our family. But I think a lot of times, most of us are going to live to 70, 80, 90 years old or, or beyond and not investing in the human beings along the way is a big, big, in my opinion, mistake. And the people I see that love life the most when they're older 
it all comes down to their, you know, their closest relationships. That's who they want to spend time with. And so that's my focus. So you can go to giftologysystem.com to download the playbook. And thank you, because I know that you charge a lot of money to do this when you consult people one-on-one in big companies and and you're willing to give that to my audience. So anything to expect and why someone should go download that? If you have a marketing plan or an operations plan or a finance plan or a workout plan or whatever, like those are like, you have a plan because you're like, hey, this is important to me. Most people, if you ask them what their relationship plan is, especially in their business, maybe they have one for their spouse or their kids. They don't have it for their clients. They might have a marketing plan of like, hey, we got to send this note or this brochure or whatever. And that's all fine. But to me, to not have a plan of who's most important, what's important to them, what's their spouse's name. Most people say, what's the least I can get away with? And my original mentor, Paul, was like, what's the most I can afford to invest in these relationships? Yeah. Like, how much yeah. more could I do? Yeah. And, and so that, that entire recipe is there. It's none of it's rocket science, but it's all the little pieces. And like the seventh step is the gift. Most people start with, especially guys, we're the worst. So like we, we shop with our eyes. We're like, what's the cool, sexy gift? I want some, I like wine. Let's send wine. And so that's the last, the delivery vehicle is the last part. So that, that planning process and understanding whether you hire somebody to do it for you or whether you do it on your own, you still have to identify the key relationships and do some of the homework in order to actually execute on the plan. John, if in two minutes, can you explain what you're doing for the Kobe Bryant project and make a wish? Because I'm blown away. And it's like, I think it, just by sharing the story, it's going to, I think people are going to start thinking like, oh, this guy is a practitioner. And like you're compounding your relationships at, at a whole new level. Yeah. Well, I, I love unique gifts. You know, I like the crazy, you know, I love things that scale, but I also love the crazy one-offs that don't scale. You know, the $7,000 Brooks Brothers experience wasn't scalable, but it was cool and it produced awesome results. So this artist that was making different things for me, um, she makes, takes pieces of broken history, artifacts, baseball bats, whatever else she does stuff for like Albert Pujols. She makes these beautiful pieces of art that are like, of the art of the person or of the family. And uh, we just did one for Sarah and Jesse, you know, Sarah Blakely on, you know, billionaire and, and, uh, and Jesse Itzler. Um, after I spoke to like 14,000 CEOs for EO, we surprised them with this seven foot tall piece <clears throat> made of Spanx packaging and broken records. And it was their whole family. It's a 25,000 art piece of artwork that we surprised them from the stage. And they're big into art and their jaws hit the ground. They're like, this is going to be in our main living room. Cause like, it's their family. It's their, them and their four kids. So this artist was making one when Kobe passed. She was going to make one of uh, the like kind of like her, you know, Magnus Opus. Like her, like she loved Kobe, and so this nine foot tall piece made of all broken records of Kobe, and it's like lifelike. It looks like he, you know, he's getting ready to dunk, and but it's all thousands of pieces of this. These uh, it took hundreds of hours to make, and she was going to sell it for a lot of money, auction it off, and. Her, her and her husband's vehicles got stolen and he's in construction and all the equipment got stolen and she's going to fire sale it. I'm like, that's hor-. like, this should be the piece that puts her on the map of, because like, she's an up and comer. People are starting to find out about her boxers, Evander Holyfield, that kind of stuff. I'm going to buy this. So we bought it for 33 grand. I'm like, I could keep it for myself. I could give it as a gift or I could use it as a leverage tool to be able to put her in the spotlight. And I can put Kobe's favorite charity in the spotlight and, uh, and we could get, you know, raise money. And so we just, we partnered with Make-A-Wish. We donated to them. So anything above 33 grand is going to Make-A-Wish. And so the thought is like, you know, this piece will honor in, in you know, thousands, hopefully thousands of kids will, will benefit. Even Kobe's gone. 
but his legacy carries on and maybe it's athletes, maybe it's the owners of the Staples center, but Kobe kind of like transcended all like from basketball to business, to movies, to celebrities, to music. And the fact that it's made of thousands of broken records, he obviously broke a lot of records, but people resonate with that. And so the hope is we'll, we'll create, we'll auction off the piece and then we're creating NFTs. So, you know, they'll, they'll be minted on the blockchain and people will be able to buy, you know, and it'll bring the disadvantage. You normally could never buy a million dollar piece of artwork. We'll actually be able to buy it for like $24, which was his number. And so the goal is to have thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of people that have a piece of, of Kobe, but are also contributing to make a wish at this level of scale. I'm telling you guys be obsessed with the idea of leverage. I'm telling you, there's 10 different things that you're going to do through one decision. One of my favorite quotes, this, this is something that I, I was at a leadership conference, heard a guy named Andy Stanley speak. Mm. And he said, the value of your life is always measured by how much of it was given away. And he, he shared an example of the greatest leader of all time, Jesus Christ, and how he literally gave what like none of us could if his own life. He pretty much made it just a statement off of that. He said, at your funeral, no one's going to care about your accomplishments, how much money you made. They're, they're going to hold true to the things like the kind of person you were and what you gave of them. And I, I just wanted to share that with you because I, when I think of that quote, you are someone that I think of when, when that, that one of the most impactful quotes, you know, that's impacted me and, and made me want to do what I'm doing now. The last question I, I end all my podcasts with are what I call the legacy question. And, and this is your last day on earth. You're not actually not able to give any gifts to the people that you love the most, your family. What are you going to make sure to pass on in that last conversation uh, that embodies your life work and the thing that you want? to be passed on. What comes to mind is my, my daughter, who's 10, when she was four, I asked her like, what do you think dad does for a living? She's like, dad, you help people love on people. I was like, if that's my legacy, then I lived a great life. And, you know, hopefully that my kids and grandkids and gets me teary eyed to think about if that, if that's what they take away, I'll live successfully. John, thank you so much for taking your most valuable resource at your time and being on my show. And thank you for the work that you're doing. My pleasure, bro. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.